Podcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the Ignite EdTech Podcast with Craig Kemp, created by an educator for educators and streaming to the world. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the Ignite EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Kemp, and I'm thrilled to have you here. As most of you know, I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, please see the details in the podcast notes below. Last week, I asked you about tech programs and one-to-one programs in your schools. Check out the social streams for more. This week, I wanted to ask about sustainable practices for edtech in your school. What tools, strategies, and practices have you implemented in your school to be more sustainable in the way you use technology? Please share with me via our Ignite EdTech social streams. I look forward to hearing your responses soon. A tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is Nearpod. Nearpod is an online tool that allows teachers to use slide-based teaching both in the classroom and remotely thanks to a hybrid layout. Teachers can create lots of different interactive learning resources that allow students to engage and learn via their device or a single screen in the room. It is amazingly engaging. Nearpod is also useful as a formative assessment tool and can output student efforts and easy-to-analyze graphs and charts for a clear snapshot of progress. Nearpod can also use gamification of information to make learning more engaging and fun. It's built to work well with lots of pre-existing tools such as Google Slides, Microsoft PowerPoint, and YouTube. Teachers can easily import media to make a lesson quickly and simply using already existing resources. It allows teachers to create lessons from scratch or use the existing library of more than 15,000 lessons and videos across grades and curriculums to get up and running quickly. The system also allows you to pull in videos from the likes of YouTube for easy integration with a quiz or other resource. I've seen Nearpod used in many ways, in different grade levels and across curriculums. I love their drive to be international at the moment. And if you use their free version at the moment, you should consider their full premium features at reduced rates. It's definitely worth the money spent. I highly recommend that you take a look at Nearpod.com. The link is in the description below. Last week, we talked about strategically rolling out one-to-one or BYOD device programs in your school. If you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to last week's episode. This week, I wanted to talk about sustainability with EdTech in your school. Sustainable programs when it comes to EdTech is critical in organizations, not only for ease of use for teachers, students, and leaders, but also from a financial perspective. Financially, technology and its associated learning requirements can become very expensive, and schools are good at committing to purchase hardware, but not so good at sustainable practices to integrate them authentically and purposefully to add value to learning. Schools need to invest their time and energy in establishing sustainable practices for the use of technology that adds value to learning. Over the past few weeks, I've discussed several strategies to use to integrate technology and device programs, but the implementation of sustainable use of technology is a step further. 
I believe it starts with human resources. Listen to your people. Ask your teachers and students what they want and need from technology. Look at your school's strategic plan and then align your tech needs and learning opportunities with this for short, mid and long-term goals. Short-term goals should consist of what you can do immediately. Things like meeting with key stakeholders, listening, observations, hands-on learning experiences, modeling lessons, integrating technology into planning documents, and providing access to high-quality professional learning opportunities. Mid-term goals include things in the immediate three to nine months, for example. What can you do to make a difference? This includes the development of a professional learning plan with more details, providing opportunities for ongoing learning, trialing and purchasing new tools that will add value, gathering feedback, analyzing data, and implementing strategically aligned strategies on a school-wide level. Development of time and schedules for people to test, trial, explore and learn, as well as auditing current offerings to identify gaps for sustainable practices. Long-term should consist of one to three-year reach goals, things that are outside of the immediate future. This could include budgeting and forecasting tech needs and wants, establishing non-negotiables like being Google or Microsoft certified, the establishment of skill requirements for staff and students, and the strategic alignment to school long-term goals and ambitions. Long-term goals are aspirational, but still very important in the development of sustainable practices and culture. Getting these in writing and agreed to by the leadership team means that the short and mid-term goals can work towards the larger needs of the organization. If you need help to think through this process, let us know. Our team has a lot of experience in supporting schools in this journey. If you have ideas to add, we'd love to chat too. The experiences that you share inspire action, so please don't hesitate to reach out with your ideas and thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. Every week, I bring you a short interview with some of my edu heroes, an engaging learning experience with someone who makes a difference in education every day, with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Zoe Weil. Let's have a listen to the chat. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Zoe Weil, who you may know as at Zoe Weil on Twitter. Zoe is the president of the Institute for Humane Education, which works to create a just, humane, sustainable world by training educators and empowering citizens. Zoe is an educator, author, TEDx and keynote speaker, and an inspirational sharer of learning online. Zoe, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk about education and technology integration? I sure am. Thank you so much, Craig. Absolute pleasure. Let's go. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current role and what inspires you to do what you do? So I remain the co-founder and president of the Institute for Humane Education. I co-founded the organization 25 years ago, and I did so because I believe that a better world is possible and that education is the most powerful and strategic approach to creating a just, humane, and sustainable world for everyone, for all people, for animals, and for the ecosystems that sustain us. It's amazing to see what you've done and where you've taken this. Uh, and you know, we've been connected now just for a short while, but in that short while, I've seen so much amazing sharing 
both online and the the deep diving I've been doing into your work and of uh, humane education, the institution as well. I'm really interested, though, about something that comes up every now and then when I'm in conversations with people, which is speaking at a TEDx event. I'd love to learn more about your experience as a TEDx speaker and and what you talked about. Thank you. Sure. I was invited to do my first TEDx talk over 10 years ago. And that actually, that TEDx talk, I've done six of them, but that first one, The World Becomes What You Teach, is by far the most popular of all of the TEDx talks I've given. And I think it's because the message that I delivered really spoke to people. And the message was this, that in order to create a world that is just and healthy and sustainable and humane, we need to address the root system that underlies all other societal systems. And that system is education. And I talked about how we need a bigger purpose for schooling than, at least in the United States, the one we have is to prepare students to be globally competitive. And, and we it, that's just not a worthy enough goal for students. And so I propose that we educate young people to be what we call solutionaries who have the knowledge and the skill and the motivation to address and solve the challenges that they face in their lives, in their communities, and in the world, and that this can be done through education. And so that was my first TEDx talk. And I've gone on to talk more deeply about what it means to be a solutionary. How do you become a solutionary? I did one TEDx talk on media literacy, another one on extending our circle of compassion to animals, and then one on answering a a profound question uh, for all of us, which is, at the end of your life, what are you going to say that you did to make the world better? Yeah, just listening to you is super inspiring, so it really is. And, you know, on top of all of this work that you've done, you're also a published author. Tell us about your book. Well, I've written seven books, and my most recent book, The World Becomes What We Teach, Educating a Generation of Solutionaries, is meant to provide a vision and a blueprint for transforming education. But in a really short book, one of the things that we know about a lot of education books, including some of my favorite ones, is that they're very long. They're they're big tomes. And Teachers and administrators don't have a lot of time. And so I wrote a short book that can be read in two hours that can really provide this vision and a path toward achieving it. And so it offers the rationale for adopting this bigger purpose for schooling, worthy of our children and relevant to their future. And it also discusses the challenges that we face in the world. You know, Climate change isn't a future possibility. It is happening right now. We are seeing the ramifications of it. And young people need to be able to address real world issues, whether they're climate change or racial justice or species extinction and and the loss of biodiversity, all of these different issues that really matter to young people. If we leave those issues off the table, in schools, then students become not only uh, disenfranchised from from schooling, but 
they we also run the risk that they're going to feel despair and anxiety. And we are seeing that. But when we incorporate real world issues in age appropriate ways and use numeracy, literacy, the scientific method to help students engage with real world problems in the classroom and become positive forces for change through collaboration and learning, well, then we set them, we, we set up the whole educational prospect as a win-win-win, a win for young people, a win for schools, and a win for the world. And the reality is that we can solve our problems. You know, there have been so many positive changes that have occurred in my own lifetime. I'm from the United States, and when I was born, it was illegal in many states for black and white people to get married. And, it, you know, gay marriage was off the table. Nobody was even thinking about that, let alone LBGTQIA rights. And that's just one small example. You know, the air and the water in many U.S. cities was dirtier than it is now. And the fires in, in the Western states notwithstanding. And in the world, extreme poverty was the reality for 50% of the people on planet Earth. And now it's down to below 10%. And that's still way too high. But the fact that we could get from 50% to below 10% in my lifetime means there's no reason we can't get to from 10% to 0%. And we can solve our problems. And the last thing I would say about the book is that it goes beyond the typical critiques of education that you know students aren't graduating with the necessary skills uh, academic skills um, because it's it's the reality is that even if students graduated with exceptional skills they wouldn't by design or purpose be prepared for today's world in fact they might even exacerbate problems. So schools may may feel that they're not living up to their own standards and goals in some ways, but those aren't necessarily even the right goals for today's world. And, you know, this book has become the primary text for a, a whole county in the United States, San Mateo County in California, which serves 113,000 students and uh, teachers are reading this book and they're implementing the ideas and they're bringing solutionary units to their classrooms and they have an annual solutionary fair. And that's just one example of what can happen. Yeah, it, it's totally inspiring. And I was doing a little bit of research into, you know, the the work you've been doing, you know, at a really grassroots level as well. And hearing that, you know, that San Mateo County District has taken it on as a primary professional development text. It really speaks true to the impact that you're having uh, and the impact that I think this can have uh, globally. And I know we're discussing soon the, the way that this voice can be amplified through EduSpark uh, as a platform as well. And the world is your oyster, I think, in this space. So I wonder sometimes when I chat to inspiring people like yourselves, you know, what's next? So what is your next goal in your career? What do you want to do or achieve that you haven't been able to do yet? Zoe? Well, I want to achieve our mission. <laughs> and our mission is so big. You know, uh, if you if people go to our website, humaneeducation.org, they'll see that our mission is 
to educate people to create a world where all humans, animals, and nature can thrive. So that's a pretty big mission. So I think I'm going to be spending my whole life trying to achieve it. And, you know, in terms of getting there, I would say that you know, to have our solutionary framework become foundational to schools and school districts everywhere, that will set us up to achieve that mission. You know, if we can actually educate a solutionary generation, which means that young people know how to think like a solutionary, which is that means that they have developed really solid critical thinking skills, systems thinking skills, strategic thinking skills, and creative thinking skills, so that they can identify unjust, unsustainable, and inhumane systems. They can collaborate and learn from stakeholders in order to discover where their leverage points to create change. They can devise solutions that do the most good and the least harm for all life, and then they can implement those solutions. So just imagine if that was what happened in schools. And so that no matter what career a student ended up having in their life, they would know, ah, I have to be a solutionary in this career. I have to make sure that the systems within my chosen profession are just sustainable and humane. I know how to solve problems. I don't uh, look at problems and just choose a side and argue. I look at problems and think, how do we work together, learn from everybody and solve them? And right now we are so polarized in the United States and in many countries around the world. And we don't seem to be able to get beyond the debate and arguing format into the let's work together to solve the issues. So I think I have my work cut out for me and I hope that we'll be able to see real progress with the expansion of our solutionary framework into schools everywhere. Yeah, amazing work. It really is. Let's jump into some quick fire questions, though. The first thing that comes to your head and maybe a little why. What is your hashtag one word for 2021? Well, it's solutionary, of course, because if we become solutionaries, we will see problems get solved. Love it. What's your favorite EdTech book or resource? So a brand new book that's just come out. It's called Worldwise Learning, A Teacher's Guide to Shaping a Just, Sustainable Future by Elizabeth Crawford and Carla Marshall. And it's a fabulous book for teachers. I love it. We'll make sure the links to everything you've shared uh, in this conversation, plus this, uh, are in the podcast notes here as well. What's your go-to EdTech tool that the listeners need to try? Well, this is a shameless plug for our Solutionary Micro-Credential Program, which is a 30-hour online course that enables teachers to understand the solutionary concept, to practice it themselves, and then to create a plan for bringing it into their classrooms. Awesome. We'll make sure the direct link is to that as well. What's one daily habit or practice that helps you enjoy, progress, and succeed in your career? For me, it's getting out in nature, and that's because I need to restore myself. This is hard work, and uh, educators are, are doing challenging work every day, and finding restoration is really important. And I'm inspired by the natural world, and it makes me realize why I even do this work, to protect this beautiful earth. It's, it is really amazing. You know, if, if you were to have 
any job in the world, Zoe, what would it be and why? Well, I was wondering whether I would say National Geographic photographer, uh, but really the reality is that I would have no other job than the one I'm doing. And I think that it's so important that people find the place where the answer to these three questions meet. What do I care about in the world? What am I good at? And what do I love to do? And for me, that is being a humane educator. And when we each can find the place where the answer to those three questions meet, our life is golden and full of meaning and purpose and accomplishments that matter. Yeah. And, you know, the the, the sorts of things you're sharing here are not only inspirational, but I think actionable for the, the work that a lot of teachers do every day. So, you know, when I started share, seeing what you share online, I immediately wanted to to have you on here because I know that the things you're sharing are relevant to every educator. And if they're not, they should be. And I think amplifying that voice is really, really important. Sort of going down that track, what is your favorite education-focused quote? Well, there are a lot, but probably my favorite is Dexter Chapin's every good teacher has hundreds of heirs. And I think the reason why I chose that one is uh, a a little bit of a backstory behind that. Uh, When I was in college, I was dating a medical student and he told me one day that he thought that being a physician was the most noble profession. And it really irritated me. And partly it's because I I went to college pre-med and then I dropped that career path. But I've been thinking about that comment ever since. And I, you know, I don't think we need to really rate professions based on their nobility. But if pressed to say what I think is the most noble profession, I would say it's education, being a teacher. And the reason is because teachers hold the future in their hands. And if the future is to be just and sustainable and humane, that will be largely because of teachers and all of the heirs that they leave behind. So much amazing, inspirational content that you've shared with us. So I know the listeners are going to want to learn more. What's the best way for them to follow and connect with you? Well, I hope people will visit our website, humaneeducation.org. They can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Humane Education and on Facebook at the Institute for Humane Education. Brilliant, Zoe. I really appreciate your time today. The inspiration, uh, as always. We'll make sure the links to everything here are in the podcast notes below. Thank you for spending some time with me today, and I look forward to connecting again really soon. Thank you, Craig. It's been a pleasure. Next week, join me for episode 74 of the Ignite EdTech podcast when I'm joined by the brilliant Jennifer Bloomingdale. One of the things I love doing is giving away prizes as a thank you for tuning in, listening, and hopefully following the Ignite EdTech podcast. Last week, I gave away a seat in the EduSpark professional learning portal for one year of unlimited learning at eduspark.world. To win, you needed to complete the form at bit.ly slash edtechwin. The winner has already been contacted directly by me, and it is Heather Flynn. Congratulations, Heather. This week, I'm giving away three copies of Zoe's latest book. To win these prizes, you need to go to bit.ly slash edtechwin and complete the simple form. It'll take you less than a minute to do. The link is in the description below. Competition closes on Wednesday the 24th of November, and the winner will be contacted directly by me and announced on next Friday's podcast episode. Good luck. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please smash that follow button and share it with your colleagues, friends, and families. Please remember to spend two minutes to rate this podcast too, so we can reach even more people and edtech enthusiasts globally. Please share your favorite part of today's episode by tagging us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And don't hesitate to ask me questions that I can answer in an upcoming episode. Remember, you have the chance to win as well. Check out the links in the description for more, and I'll see you again next week. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode. And be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ. We'll see you again soon.